I want you to stand with me for a moment. I want to read from the Word here today. Just want to read a couple of verses from Hebrews chapter 1. Powerful verses. Listen to this, what God says. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Simple passage, just absolutely filled with the power of God in it. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you for this Lord's Day, and we thank you for each person in this room today that has made it a priority of their life to be here to worship you. Father, we thank you that you are present with us. We thank you that, you're, that the power of the Holy Spirit is here in this room right now to be able to touch people's lives, to minister to the various needs that are represented here today. Father, we pray earnestly that in the name of Jesus that we desire to hear from God this morning. We desire the touch of God upon our lives. We desire that you would intervene in the situations of our life, that we would simply surrender over to you and say, Here, God, here is my need. Here is the desire that is filling my heart today. I pray that, Lord, that you would be that you would help us to be motivated to love you and to declare the praises of God in this place of, uh, of worship. Father, we thank you today. Let the blessing, let the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, be noted in every one of our lives. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share from the Word here for a few minutes <clears throat> before, we, uh, before we finish up the day. Would you turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 20. Actually, I'm just going to read one verse only. In my mind, this is one of these passages of the Bible, in the New Testament in particular, that, that's uh, kind of one of these pivotal passages. Uh, around which many, many things flow. It is a passage that, uh, that uh, you know, I'm, I'm just so glad it's in the Bible. I'm glad that Paul expressed this to a group of uh, believers that, uh, at this church in Galatia. This is a church that was having a little bit of trouble, a little bit of disturbance going on in it. And <clears throat> Paul was addressing these needs but this is one of these passages that is just embedded into this particular book that just, uh, it, you know, it, it just, everything, it, it becomes a hub of, of belief. It becomes a hub of, of counsel, not just to those church, that church, but to us today. Listen to this word. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is, okay, I'm going to start over. I have this thing memorized, and I'm reading it out of a different version. See, that's what goofs you up. I memorized this thing about 40 years ago, and um, I should have stuck with that version. I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about writing a piece for publication, and I don't know how to title it, but uh, when I read my first uh, opening sentence here, I think you're going to get the drift. Uh, and maybe you can come up to me after church with a title for this thing, because I've bounced around several ideas. I wonder if you've noticed the steadily increasing drumbeat of those who demand more and more of their rights. I have a right to do this or to do that or to do whatever it is. I have, this is my right. And then following that very closely, in the same category are those who demand more and more entitlements. I'm entitled to this. You owe this to me or in some other fashion that, and there are many ways, that many fingers in which that can attach. And then third, I would also add this, there are the shrill voices, what's in it for me? You've heard them, haven't you? You've heard them this week, as a matter of fact. You hear them every week. You hear them probably in some form or some version almost every day, what's in this for me? You know, the church is not immune to these things. It's very unfortunate, but some of these things drift into the, uh, into the life of the church. And I know that in this particular age, and matter of fact, the last probably 25 or 30 years, the last one, what's in it for me, has been a part of the church. I'm going to come to this church here at Faith Community Church, what's in it for me? I'm going to go to this church, what's in it for me? And it's about me. No, it really isn't about you. I'm going to, let's, let's just take this thing and uh, let's, let's drop this, uh, this precious little bulb on the floor and allow it to shatter. It's not about you, it's about him, isn't it? I mean, we've just touched the elements of communion. It's about him. It's not, what can you do for me? What's in it for me? How comfortable will I be? Or any of these other things, it's not that at all. This passage, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ living in me. To me, that just shatters those arguments. It obliterates them. It kills them. I have to tell you, there's no other verse in the entire Bible which outright rejects all of the arguments, the three arguments that I just shared with you. A person who has truly been crucified with Christ is not going to be thinking about my rights, my entitlements, or would never consider what's in it for me. I've never met a missionary in my life. There may be some out there, I don't know who they are, who comes along and says, what's in it for me? These people give it up. I don't know if I've ever met a genuine, real, for real Christian that loves God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all their mind, with, with all their might that says, what's in it for me? 
I'm sure I've said it myself, unfortunately. I'm sure in some youthful foolishness, I probably said, I, what's in this for me? And all of these things, and I would be ashamed of that. And I hope I don't say it anymore in my life. I hope I don't say some of the other things. But it's about Christ. It's about Jesus Christ and him alone. I want to look at this powerful New Testament verse and understand this thing in the right way. I think sometimes we take a look at this verse and I think, I think we just, we're, we're almost a half a phase off on it. And we look at this thing and say, oh, this is about crucifixion. This is about suffering. This is about death and what Christ died for me and all of that. There's some truth in that. But I think the reality of this verse is found in its, that nevertheless, I live. I live for God. I live for Christ. Four times in this one verse, you're going to find that word, <clears throat> you're going to find that one word, live. I live for him. I've underlined those. Paul is saying, he's saying, I'm not dead to this world, but I'm delivered unto Christ. There's a wide variety of people in the church, and there are some with a heavy cross. We prayed with some people up here with a heavy cross this morning. There's other people with lighter crosses. And we're not here to try to compare or anything like this. But nevertheless, I want you to know that Christ is the one that bears that cross with us. We're not alone in this deal. We're not, we don't go out of this church and say, I've got six days of drudgery and hurt and pain and all of these things in front of me this coming week. That's not how it works. We have life. We have Christ. And it's Christ in us. The verb here, crucified with, refers to that all the time in my life. When the old person was crucified with Jesus so that this body of sin might be done away. I was crucified with Christ. You know what? If you can get, if you can get those handful of words into your mind and in your spirit, I was crucified with Christ. I'm telling you, you're going to sense the liberating power of God absolutely surging into you, just powering its way into your life. I've been crucified with Christ. And you realize the meaning of that. You know what the meaning of that is? It means that I no longer am enslaved to this life of sin. You take what Paul says right there and then read the first four verses of Romans chapter 6 and I'll tell you what, you're going to come dancing down the middle aisle because you're no longer a slave. You stay put. I don't want to encourage. Well, I, that were mine. Okay, that didn't belong there. <laughs> Folks, I'm the stripped-down version. Knowing Jesus Christ, me, I'm the stripped-down version because the cross says my sin is actually hanging there. Look at that cross up there. Your sin hangs on the cross. When Christ died for you, your sin was literally nailed to that cross. It's there. I bear it no more. Because I've been set free. I'm at liberty in Jesus Christ. These, these things don't weigh me down. 
That's why in his book of Hebrews says, don't allow this weight of sin to hold you down, to become a, a burden. It's like somebody saying, here, hand me a brick, and by the time I get to the back of the church, I've got 15 or 20 bricks in my hand, and, and it, because of burden I can't already move. My sin is nailed to the cross. Crucified with Christ means that, <clears throat> that I've surrendered all that I have and all that I would do for him. Crucified with Christ means that my attention, my affection, my attitudes, my acquaintances, my personal advancement, my aspirations, my every achievement that I've ever accomplished in my life belongs to him. It's because of him. Everything. All of it. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We need to understand something very important. My crucifixion is not a, it is not a death from now on, but it has to do with my living from now on. I live for Christ. Paul repeats the phrase, like I said, I live, I live, I live. He does it four times in this one verse. And you've heard me say this on many occasions. When you see something repeated like that in a very, very short uh, span of, of a verse or verses, uh, I, let a light click on into your mind and say, hey, there's something important going on here. I need to kind of take a look at this. I need to take a second or a third look at this and make sure I can absorb what God is saying here. Paul is essentially saying, I'm alive and kicking. I'm not dead because Christ is living in me. And he's not trying to deny himself or degrade himself or anything like that. He wants us to know he, it, that it's Christ living in me. Look, folks, Christianity, genuine Bible Christianity, is not bound up in a philosophy, but it, it is a person. It is a person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not some kind of a historical footnote or some kind of a good person, but he is the living God. This living God has said, I want to take up residence in your life. I'm not hanging out in some heavenly temple up here that we can't see and that we can only imagine. He's not just hanging out here in the church or something like that. And when I walk in here, I feel him. He's hanging out in your life. He's in you. In you, the hope of glory. In you. Whether you're having a good day or a bad day or whatever kind of day it is, it's Christ in you that's making the difference. Jesus is my identity. He's my strength. He's my guide. He's my companion. He's my inspiration. I belong to him. I'm loved by him. A.W. Tozer was a writer and a preacher of another generation, but his, his, his writings are powerful. Let me make this quote to you. First, the man on the cross is facing only one direction. Second, he's not going back. Third, he has no further plans of his own. When I say I'm crucified with Christ... When I say I am crucified with Christ, I'm facing only in one direction. I have no other plans, and I have no other place to go. 
but to God. That's what it means. That's where I am. Something else, I'm crucified with Christ. And the language here is a very powerful thing. And there's some changes and trans, tra, uh, transitions here in the, in, the, uh, in the language as you read this thing. Look, these, uh, these thieves crucified with Jesus had absolutely no choice. They were condemned people. They were going to die. Jesus had a choice. Jesus had a choice. Jesus volunteered. Jesus initiated it. And he orchestrated his death on the cross. Let me tell you, these, these, uh, these thieves, they came kicking and screaming and everything else. What did Jesus do? He laid down his life for us. He knew it. And he did it. And he gave himself for me. He gives himself for you. There's a big difference. Powerful difference. Jesus gave himself for us. Christianity is unique. Because the Bible tells me that Jesus loves me and it's a personal relationship of following Christ. You take Buddhism, you take Hinduism, you take the Muslim faith. It has nothing to do with a personal relationship. You won't find it in their teachings or in their beliefs or anything else. <clears throat> Christianity is a relationship. We don't talk about religion around here. Religion is death. We talk about relationship. Relationship is life. And it is life giving. It is not just life preserving, but I live because of Christ. And my life has been transformed simply because he chose me, he loves me, he died for me, he lives in me. I have become the temple, literally the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And what a difference that makes. A prominent theologian was once asked to summarize Christianity all in one sentence. And he makes this statement. You've heard it, no doubt. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. There's nothing complex about that, is there? That's about as simple as it gets. You know, you have all the degrees on the wall. And you might be able to explain all kinds of things and all the nuances and all the things of Christianity and all the things of faith. But it boils down to Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, you can take that out and go witnessing with that on Saturday night. And it'll work. How do you know Jesus, the Bible says so? Well, what's so big deal about the Bible? Because it's God's word. Well, I believe that, fine, show me the word. Show me the word. It's kind of like, show me the money. Show me the word. Show me the word. You take away the love of God out of this book, and you don't have much at all. Not much at all. You might, get idea, you might get some ideology out of it. You might get philosophy out of it. But it's the love of God that made it personal, made it personal. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. 
That's as personal as you will ever get. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Christianity is about who you have, which is Christ. It's not about what you have. It's not about how much I have. It's not how much I deserve or any of these other things. These folks, those kind of philosophies will fly out of here with the next wind. It's about who you have. He's living in me. I love to pray with people at the altar. And I love to be able to pray, especially with young people. But all of us need this. But to be able to remind them often that you are precious in God. You are the beloved of God. You are his child. He created you. There's a uniqueness about your life that nobody in the entire planet can match but you. And because you are who you are, you are loved by God. And his forgiveness that was created on that cross is now my forgiveness and your forgiveness. And that is a powerful thing to say in a day in which there's doubt, there's a day in which there's a fair amount of fear and wonderment and questions and all of these things to be able to know there is one thing that I can stake it all on is that God loves me and that he has forgiven me and I can walk with him and know him. The cross is not about death. It's about deliverance. It's not about suffering. It's about salvation. The life I now live, I live by faith, not by fear. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your loving kindness, that our lives are built on faith and not fear. We don't know who holds to, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we know who holds tomorrow. We have no idea necessarily of what's ahead for us. But Father, we know that you've already been there, you've already seen it, you've already prepared a way, and you, most of all, you prepared us. So Father, I thank you today. I thank you that you care so much for the people that are sitting right in this room, right here today. They are loved by you. Father, I pray that if they don't take anything else out of this service this morning, help them to understand that they are cared for by you, that you are with them, that you desire to guide them, that you desire to be their companion through everything that's going to go on this week, everything that's going to happen, whether it's good or, or not so good or whatever's going on. Father, they can always count on you. Why? Because your word says so. And I thank you for this in the, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Father, may the Lord bless and keep this congregation. Cause your face to shine upon our lives and, and then through our lives. Father, I pray, help us to be a testimony of hope a testimony of love, 
a testimony of the great grace of God to this world. Father, I pray that you'll enable us by the power of your spirit to serve you, to love you, and to be your witness in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.